Forget frequently asked questions. Common sense, common knowledge, or Google. How about advice from a real genius? 95% of people in any profession are good enough to be qualified and licensed. 5% go above and beyond. They become very good at what they do, but only 0.1% are real geniuses. Richard Jacobs has made it his life's mission to find them for you. He hunts down and interviews geniuses in every field. Sleep science, cancer, stem cells, ketogenic diets, and more. Here come the geniuses. This is the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Before we begin, a note from our sponsor. I'm Richard Jacobs, Executive Director of the nonprofit Finding Genius Foundation and host of the Finding Genius Podcast. In late 2016, I was rear-ended at 65 miles an hour by a truck on the highway, which sent me off-road into a ditch. The impact of the collision gave me a concussion and other injuries. At the hospital, a CT scan showed that I had thyroid nodules, which turned out to be cancer. It was then, when I had a biopsy in my neck, that I realized, even if I was a millionaire, I wouldn't want a second or a third biopsy due to the pain and the invasiveness of it. And appointments at that time for thyroid experts were three to six months out. And I was worried about dying now, even if that was irrational. So because of this, I've decided to raise money to conduct a literature review on steroids, on the causes of anxiety and depression, a condition that affects well over 50 million people in the United States and hundreds of millions worldwide. Our goal is to create a codex, a guide, that reveals all possible treatments for anxiety and depression for people that live with the condition or for loved ones that have it, as my wife and my son do. To find out more about our fundraiser, visit FindingGeniusFoundation.org and click on Current Initiatives. And now, to our guest. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Finding Genius Podcast, now part of the Finding Genius Foundation. I have uh, Rachel McLeod. Uh, she's a mental health therapist. She's been working with people that have anxiety, depression, and trauma disorders for years. So I'm going to find out more about her background and, and her work shortly. So Rachel, thanks for coming. Thank you for having me. Yeah, if you would, tell me, why did this area interest you in the first place so many years ago? You know, I I got into this because I it was very unconscious. My, uh, my subconscious mind brought me here. I found myself mentally ill at some point, and I was struggling with symptoms of anxiety, depression, and traumatic stress as I was an athlete in college. And I found my way through that. But once I got, I, and that really made me interested in humans. How does the brain work? I ended up with a degree in therapy, became a therapist and found that number one, I wasn't very good at it. Two, I found that I was really mad with how I could not get those clients, the results I wanted, they were suffering from severe addiction. And I just felt very ill-equipped to support them in getting healing. And I was just like, what, we're going to talk about this for the next 10 years? Like they need solutions now so that they don't relapse again and, um, and perhaps die. And so I, that was very distressing to me, but I later had another mental crisis. I was a stay-at-home mom and because I did not want to go back to therapy, to being a therapist. And I was really starting to show signs of obsessive compulsive disorder. And I didn't even see it. My husband one day was like, I think something's off. And so I went to go get an evaluation and I found, and they diagnosed me with OCD. And later somebody, I, I didn't want to go to treatment. I didn't want to work with therapy, be therapist because I was so mad about therapy. And I ended up finding somebody who gave me the training set for emotional freedom techniques. And so then I 
was laying in bed that night after she gave that to me, I had watched them and I broke through one of my symptoms and I was laying in bed right there with so much insomnia. I could not sleep. And I used this once it took 30 seconds and I yawned. I used it again. It was emotional freedom techniques, right? So it takes, it's a very short intervention and I fell right to sleep and I woke up and I was like, how, what, what else can I use this on? EFT is tapping essentially, right? Is that Another way to say it. Yeah. So I'm tapping, you know, it's, it's a very brief intervention and um, it's very different than therapy. So I was really open to it and I was desperate and she said, try this. It will change your life. And, and I was like, I need that. So I just gave it a go. And I, I just, I, like I said, I worked through my first symptom in under a minute. And so I woke up the next morning, having slept, feeling better. And I was like, what else can I try this on? And I started going through my life, resolving symptoms. I'd find symptoms uh, like panic attacks and I just work through them. And my brain stopped doing that. I'd find myself becoming quiet when I wanted to say something I couldn't speak. And so I would use the intervention and I would be able to say what I needed to say. And so that's really, I kept doing that and got myself out of that crisis. And that's really how I got into this is that I was already a therapist. I had this disorder that no one had diagnosed. And I had another disorder on top of that, which was complex childhood trauma. And I started working through all of those things. And I thought, if this is a real thing, this is actually getting me real results. If I ever go back, this is what I will do. And that's really how I got where I'm at is because I started going, I went back to work and I started using this and I saw that it worked for other people's brains, just like it did for me. And they started healing and they started working through the the challenges they were facing. And then I thought, could I use these strategies to help them resolve a whole disorder? And so I went to work on that and sure enough, I could. And then I was like, well, I wonder if I could help them do this faster. And so I, then I started teaching them the strategies so that we they could work at home to, with their brain and resolve symptoms. And then we would work together in sessions. And so now we're, we're doing more work more frequently. And then, so, and that's really what I do now is I help people resolve their anxiety, depression, or trauma disorder in two to six months, as opposed to two to six years. And so, so your frustration with being a therapist and with therapy itself is that it seems to be like, oh, you got to do this for years and then you may get a result. And you were like, no, it needs to happen faster because people are just falling apart or killing themselves or it's, you know, it needs to happen now, I guess is what you're saying. Yeah. And then, you know, here I was a young mom and I can't even solve basic problems because my anxiety disorder is right there. Like basic problems, like going to sleep, basic problems, so many basic problems. And I realized I can't, I can't parent like this. Like I'm not going to be able to meet my children's needs like this. And that's unacceptable. And so I needed real solutions then, which is really why And I, I like instant gratification. Like the next person does. I like to do something that gets results and gets results quickly and that I can see it and measure it. And so these interventions gave me that this way. And I thought it really was the interventions and it's really just how the brain works. The brain is very capable of resolving any symptom of anxiety, depression, and traumatic stress, but it really can get blocked in one specific place. And these interventions really provide the brain support in that one specific place where this whole problem solving symptom resolution process gets blocked. And so when we just apply that intervention right there and the brain's resolving and getting rid of symptoms, 30 seconds, two minutes. I only know a tiny bit about tapping or EFT. So can you um, talk about how you encountered it and how does it work and all that? How to apply it? 
Yeah. Well, I encountered it, but this, this woman gave it to me. She was an energy person. I don't even, I, I really wish I could find her, but she helped my son with a medical condition that nobody, the doctors were just like, Oh, sorry, this is just how it is. You know, you're just going to have to deal with that. And I was just like, if this was your kid, we wouldn't be having this conversation. You would find the answer to this and we'd be done. So I had, I'd gone at, to the park and was complaining. And they, the mom said, why don't you go see her? And this woman just did this electromagnetic thing. And three days later, my son's issue was resolved. And I was like, holy cow, (laughs) she helped me. So I kept going back and I would have, if she had told me to stand on my head and that it will fix my, my challenges, I would have. And so when she gave me this really strange intervention that I had never encountered before, I was like, well, I guess in for a penny, in for a pound, let's do this. And so that's really how I found it. And it's, it is strange because it's not talk therapy, which is what I was trained in and what is really the most popular modality right now for therapy in our country. It's, it's really, a, uh, you're tapping on your body in specific places. Before we continue. I've been personally funding the Finding Genius podcast for four and a half years now, which has led to 2,700 plus interviews of clinicians, researchers, scientists, CEOs, and other amazing people who are working to advance science and improve our lives and our world. Even though this podcast gets 100,000 plus downloads a month, we need your help to reach hundreds of thousands more worldwide. Please visit FindingGeniusPodcast.com and click on Support Us. We have three levels of membership from 10 to $49 a month, including perks such as the ability to see ahead in our interview calendar and ask questions of upcoming guests, transcripts of podcasts you're interested in, the ability to request specific topics or guests, and more. Visit FindingGeniusPodcast.com and click support us today. Now back to the show. I thought that this was the magical intervention, but it turns out that the brain, when in its healing process, the brain has a problem in that process between the survival system that wants to keep you away from pain and your body that is trying to to get rid and move emotion and pain and distress to the part of the brain that can actually resolve that and do something about it. And so you have this conflict between your survival system saying no, and you can't come through here, pain and distress and the parts of your body that it's like, I need to, because I need this to heal. And so what we do with, with tapping is, is that we start tapping on those points and this works so well and so quickly because we're actually speaking to the survival system in its native language. It is listening to your body. It's not listening to your thoughts or what you're saying or what you're knowing and what you want or all the strategies you have or all the skills that you've built. It doesn't care about those things. It really cares about what is their pain coming up? Are there signals of distress that let me know we need to go into survival mode so we can survive because we're under attack? And that's, and it's not a thinking center. So it's not reasoning between, oh no, this is okay. This is actually a healing process. It's really just is there pain present? Is there not? Is there pain signals? Is there not? And emotional distress registers in the brain as pain. And so once that's too high, it really won't get through the process. So when we are using a tapping intervention, and that's just one modality, we're, we're talking to the survival system saying, you know what, we're okay. That pain's okay to let go through here and let healing happen. Come over here, unblock the process and move, let this stuff move through and it listen. And so it's really, these interventions are a really powerful way to influence that survival system, the the part of the brain that shuts down the healing process. 
And, and really these, these interventions are really powerful also because they help the emotional intensity that is coming from the body and your senses and your nervous system. They help reduce that so that it can move through the, instead of being a 10 of intensity, pain and alarm, 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 it can really, these interventions help to bring that down to an, a six and a four and a three, which that's and even a zero. And that's easier to sneak past the survival system without sending it off into a panic or a survival mode. Why does tap- tapping work? What is it doing physically to someone when they tap? Well, it's, it's actually just touching points on the body. They're meridian points. So it is, we're, we're using the body's electrical system. One of the body's electrical systems or energetic systems. I love when I went to go visit that woman that did this electromagnetic thing that kind of freaked me out. It helped my son. She had a quote from Stanford in there that said, our cells are communicating 10,000 times faster energetically or electrically. I don't remember the quote precisely, but more 10,000 times faster energetically or, or electrically than they are chemically. And that was a mind blowing quote for me because most of Western medicine focuses on the chemical interactions that we're experiencing, which is a wonderful contribution to to science and a really wonderful way to work with the body, but and necessary at times. But here we have this whole energetic electrical system of communication through our body that is really untapped by us. And it's really prime, you know, this is an intervention from Chinese medicine from using the meridian systems. And so these are these are energy systems that have been mapped out over time that where you can you can get healing work done in the body by using this system and we're finding we're do it's spreading like we're using that more and more and now we're kind of harmonizing what we can do with different systems with the chemical systems in the body with the electrical systems in the body and when we're talking about the survival system you can use chemical interventions that's what you know pharmaceuticals and drugs and alcohol actually are great for working with that part of the brain but it doesn't mean that healing is going to happen or that you're not going to get the negative side effects of those of the chemicals that we're we're using to help the brain heal. And so when you're tapping on the points, you're just you're set you're talking specifically to your survival system. That's the best way that I can say to I'll open the healing pathways and let healing happen. Is it like acupressure then? If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. It is an, it, absolutely, that's a great way to talk about it. It's a form of acupressure, just like it's using the same system we use in acupuncture, um, but without needles, and you can do it yourself. And so, so how, how similar or different is it to acupressure, that modality? Is it acupressure, I would guess someone else is administering it to okay. you, they're pressing on you and things like that, but you're doing it yourself, right, in EFT? Well, acupressure is is kind of an overarching term it doesn't necessarily mean it's it's done by a practitioner or done by you it's just it's done right so if so you can self apply acupuncture you somebody else can do it to you can tap on your to tap on the the meridian points in acupuncture they use needles for this and and so we're does that make sense is that am i answering that for you well acupuncture right if you if you have the knowledge you can do it on yourself or someone can right. do it on you acupressure i'm guessing is the same thing. So yes. self-administered, absolutely self-administered acupressure is EFT. Is is that what it means? Yes. So EFT is is an intervention called it's it's emotional freedom techniques, and it comes from 
it's the, the mother of that intervention is called thought field therapy. And the mother of that intervention, the grandmother here, we're moving back, is applied kinesiology, which is something that acu- chiropractors started using from acupuncture, from Chinese medicine. So, but we, we've got this meridian system, right? And the, you can use it in many, many different ways. And so emotional freedom techniques is a way that therapists regular humans without lots of training can just start working with the brain and body, the mind body system in a very powerful, quick and effective way. And so there's really not, there's no way to mess it up. And there are no known side effects to it. You're kind of activating the body's healing wisdom. Gosh, I could, I could go on and on for analogies, but emotional freedom techniques is a very simplified way of using acupuncture. Well, where on the body do you do this? Like, can you give an exa- a simple example that someone maybe can even try on themselves as they listen? Oh, yes. Yeah, let's as let's say fact, anxiety. I have trainings of training video cities series for this on my email list that I deliver so people can actually play with these interventions. And I really teach even more than emotional freedom techniques. I also teach another uh, one from an intervention from thought-filled therapy. I teach people energy medicine strategies and also EMDR. So I make three of the four available and as training in my, for people. Anyway, emotional freedom techniques. There are points on the body, like the beginning of your eyebrows closest to your nose. Those are, those are the eyebrow points. You can tap on there three to five times. Then there's outside your eye and you can tap on those for three to five times. You, some people will use this for seven to 10 taps. Some people like to stay on one point for a long time. You really can find your own way with this, but the standard recipe is three to five taps everywhere. Um, And so there's under your eye point, and that's about a half an inch under your eye on the bone, under your nose, between your upper lip and your nose, under your lip, your chin point, your collarbones. If you touch the round part of your collarbones and come down an inch and adjust a little bit away from the center, about a half an inch, you'll find a little divot in there. That's a point. But if you're close, that's good enough. Then there's a point under your arm that's about three to four inches below your armpit. And you can tap there three to five times. I like a point right on the rib below, maybe four inches below a nipple on the rib cage. That's, that's a point for, um, it's a liver. It's the end of the liver meridian. It's really great for anger towards yourself. So I really like to include that because who doesn't get mad at themselves occasionally. And there's a point on the outside of the thumb. Like if you hold your hand out to shake somebody's hand, you can tap that point right there at the top on your thumb the end of your thumb, the beginning of your first finger, keep holding your hand like you're going to shake somebody's hand. And then you'll see the middle finger. You can tap right there on the top of that. And then you come skip your third finger and tap on your pinky finger. And then there's a point on the side of your hand. And there's a point on the back of your hand between your ring ring finger on the back of your hand here, between your ring finger and your pinky finger. There's a little divot there. You can tap in there instead of at the end of your ring finger. So if someone has That's anxiety it. and they tap, you know, X yes. number of points, what, what have you observed yeah. people experience? How intense, you yes. know, how immediate? Right away. So, so we want to find the distress. So let's say you're about to go into a meeting, 
right? And you're not really liking this meeting, but you're going to go into this meeting and you notice that your chest starts to tighten and your stomach is starting to swirl and your shoulders are coming up. You're starting to get really tense. You have, you're in, you're, your body is expressing its anxiety. You may have some racing thoughts. This is going to be awful. This is going to be terrible. And all that's going on right there. Now, let's say that's like for you, you rate that on a scale of zero to 10 with 10 being not a problem at all. And 10 being this is maximum anxiety distress. Let's say this is an eight for you. And if, when you start using the intervention, you start tapping on the sides of your hand, then you tap on your eyebrows and outside your eyes and under your eyes, under your nose, under your lip, your collarbone points, under your arm, under your liver point right there on your ribs and your thumb, your first finger, your middle finger, your pinky finger, all of a sudden you'll, you can take a deep breath and check back in and you'll notice that the intensity is down. Some people, that's enough to take them back to a zero and they're totally fine. They're ready to go to their meeting. Sometimes after one round like that, you're down to a four. You still feel stressed. Your stomach isn't swirling anymore. Your chest still kind of feels tight and you still have a little bit of stress in your shoulders and you, your thoughts are still faster than what you'd like. So you can do it again. And you're tapping on your eyebrows, outside your eyes, under your eyes, under your nose, under your lip. I'm, I'm going to say this because I want you to see how fast this is. Collarbone points under your arms, your liver point, your thumb, first finger, middle finger, pinky finger, side of your hand, back of your hand, check in. And you'll notice now that you, you don't feel the tension in your chest and that you don't feel tightness in your, in your shoulders and you're rating this. It's not a two of intensity. Because you're finding that your, your, your mind is still running around in there. So let's do it again. So you're tapping on the side of your hand, your eyebrows, outside your eyes, under your eyes, under your nose, under your lip, collarbones, under your arms, liver point, first finger, middle finger, pinky finger, back side of your hand, back of your hand, voila. That's it. And so you're noticing that now okay. your, your mind is back to you and you're ready to go into your meeting. So that's really applicable because... That's, you're going to, you're now you're actually, your brain has shifted out of the back of the brain mode, survival mode. And it's actually, now you have activity in the front of your brain. Being in that anxious state actually changes your brain function. And you're not even, your brain is not functioning like it would in a calm state. And so in that survival anxious state, your, your, your survival center will shut down the front of your brain to about 20% of its ability. And so that's why it makes us very, it's difficult to think in when we're, when we're anxious. And um, the other things are, is that you won't be have access to your skills or your knowledge or what's going on because the actual electrical and chemical activity is happening in the back of the brain. This is what we're finding under fMRIs and the research that our interpersonal neurobiologists and our neurobiologists are doing as they're showing the impact of these different emotion states or these being in a survival state or a relaxed state. And so once you're using this, the front of your brain actually turns back on. And now you can use your higher executive functioning, which is your morals, your values, your plans, your skills, your problem solving, your creativity. You said, I mean, maybe you've noticed this in yourself. Have you noticed this in yourself and other people that when they're angry or they're in anxious or you know distressed state that they can't think? Yes, that's it. And that's because that's how brains work. Uh, when you're in that survival state and, and survival states can, are your, your survival system chooses the state for you. You don't get to choose which one you're going to go into because it's, it's a specialist in keeping you alive, but it, it has a lot to learn, but it's not a learning center. 
and your there the front of your brain actually can teach the survival system new ways of being and when to not overreact but there's a process for that and that's usually blocked but um, when you have symptoms of anxiety depression and traumatic stress but well what I wanted to ask you again is as you're talking you know my mind is thinking all kinds of different things from the track that you're on. So I wanted to ask you various questions as we go. So you, when you're in a survival state, you'll know because your, your survival system will choose one of about five strategies and they're, they're groups of strategies. Um, So, and they show up very differently in each person, but they can usually be classified as fight, flight. That's when you got to flee, freeze, faint. Your brain actually will put you to sleep immediately or like, start getting you sleepy and fawn, which is where you go into people pleasing, reassuring, making sure that things are good, even at the cost of your own wants or desires. And so when you find yourself in one of these, and if you're angry and you're yelling, you're usually in fight mode. And so that is a survival system. That means the back of your brain is all lit up doing its work to keep you alive, fighting whoever comes along. And you the front of your brain, your thinking center is shut down. So you're not you're not yourself in that. You're not, well, you're, you, you are actually yourself, but you're not your highest functioning then because you're more in the animal part of your brain, the instinctual, the, the, where, you know, we've been, whatever it takes to keep you alive. And what's not good about that part of the brain is it's job. It only cares about you. And, and that's, we want that, but we don't want to hang back there all the time. It only, it doesn't care about anybody else's survival. It just cares about yours. And so when you're fighting people, you're working to keep yourself alive, but you're not really seeing things from other people's perspectives. That's a front brain activity. And in order to see things from other perspectives, you've got to get out of the back of the brain and back into the front of the brain. And these interventions are really, really good for that because the, it, it works with your survival system and influences that part of the brain. Hey, let's relax, calm down here. And it listens. Okay. So with EFT, do you notice that people can do it in such a way where it, it only helps marginally or it helps a lot? I mean, do some people tap too fast or too hard or not enough? Or, you know, how do you know that the, uh, you're doing the technique properly? Yeah. You know, first of all, you, I don't like people who tapped hard uh, on themselves too, too hard. The the points are on the surface. So you can just tap on those very lightly. You, there's different projects that we want to work on. When symptoms show up, that's a really great time to use these interventions. Ultimately, and, and that's very, very beneficial. I have clients doing starting there. But when we want, when that is not enough to resolve the symptom and stop it from showing up entirely, then we want to come down and find the root of that symptom. And so, and we use the same intervention on that when we get there, but a lot of times we'll need different strategies to work through our brain's defense systems and whatever, you know, well, that's like a whole getting the path to get into a route can be, we need those interventions along the way. So those are more advanced skills and strategies. I teach those in my, in my, my program, but so the answer, that's a complicated answer, right? So the truth of the matter is, is that you can use these, these interventions anytime. It's going to be awesome. What I have found is that to move an anxiety, depression, or trauma disorder into remission, you're going to need 120 to 300 hours of specific and targeted brain work using interventions. So there's, it's quite a lot of time, right? We can resolve a symptom 
quickly, right? Those ones are pretty instant. But when we want to get into changing patterns like subconscious, we got to work with the subconscious programming. We can use an intervention for that, but we need to work with the subconscious program in a way that matches the subconscious program. Just like we're using these interventions to match the survival system's language. The sub survival system has an entirely different, the subconscious mind has a different language. And so we want to work with that language and use an intervention because you got to work with the survival system all the time, as far as I'm concerned. And that takes a different level of strategy. So the first, so I teach that later. I teach that in the fourth week of my program, third and fourth week of my program. And when you're, when you want to resolve a subconscious program, let me give you an example for this. Okay. I'm, uh, are you, no, should I I'm, wait? I'm or here. Yeah, I'm here. I'm going to, I'm going to give an example. Let's say you have, you're dreading going to a family function because you know that someone's going to say something that is going to hurt your feelings. And then you're going to feel very hurt and you're going to shrivel up into yourself, want to hide. And eventually you're going to go home, right? So that's, there's multiple things happening in that event. And we can use interventions there over the top of it, but sometimes we want to, we want to come out of that. And maybe when you're home later, you, we want to look at, well, what made, what hurts about that question? You know, what was it, what happened when they said that? What happened in your body? And then we can use interventions about that because your body will say, oh, I'll tell you what happened. I, it felt like I was being stabbed in the gut and I felt humiliated and I felt like all the eyes were on me. Now, whether or not this was actually happening in reality makes no difference. It's, it's still real to the body. And so we can use interventions there to let all that emotion and all of that information move past the survival system into the part of the brain that can understand it, that can analyze it, that can get rid of some of the, the reasons why there was pain there. And then it can reconfigure everything in a way that actually helps you. And so when that process is, is finished, the next time you might go to this, uh, this event, they might say the thing, but it doesn't hurt anymore. It doesn't bring up that same experience for you, the same negativity, because we just went in and we worked on it and we cleared out the pain. So no pain is showing up right now. And since no pain is showing up, you don't feel like shriveling up and backing up and going home and leaving. So the next thing you know, you're actually at this event. They said their thing. You're not, you're not infected. You go and you have fun with the rest of the family and you're good. Does that make sense? So there's, there's multiple different strategies to clear these symptoms out of one's life. And I find that people can learn how to do those for themselves. They just need the right instruction. Can someone react fast enough that in that moment they can help themselves or do they have to later on think about it, relive it, and tap as they go to calm themselves down? Okay. Always depends on what the brain needs. So, because the brain has to solve these problems. You can tell the brain, hey, we don't need to freak out here, but it's not listening. It doesn't care, right? So we need it to decide, hey, we don't need to freak out about this. So if a lot of times when you're in the moment, that is enough to create all the, to give the brain the support it needs to not, to, to totally resolve that process. But there are other times when it just takes a little bit of the edge off and the problem is not really resolved. And that lets us know that we need to come back and do some deeper work to help the brain, give the brain the support it needs to really resolve that entire thing. A lot of that has to do, the, the more complex things have to do with trauma, traumatic events, painful events that may have happened in early childhood 
or, you know, in a relationship, you know, three weeks ago, or, you know, it's brains are complex. Like it's pulling stuff from the, your past to make sense of the present. And sometimes when it's doing that pulling stuff from the past, it's not resolved stuff, it's running. And so it's very still painful stuff. And that creates like glitches in our programming. It creates symptoms of anxiety, depression, and traumatic stress. And so we really want to go back there and help it resolve those issues so that when in real time, those, it, all that complication isn't happening. Does that make sense? So the answer is yes and no. Well, I would think that most people, unless they're highly trained, that they can't respond in the moment. They have to go later when it's quiet, you know, it's just like you have a conversation and you're like, damn it, I, I should have said such and such to them. And you didn't. Yes. Because in a moment, it's hard, you know? So does that what I mean is this therapy works just fine, even if it's later on after the experience? Yes. That's a great time. Brains have processes for reevaluating situations that have ha- occurred and saying, oh, and now I get it a little bit more. These interventions help basically turn the brain's wheel. And so it, we, we want to take it back to these events that didn't go very well and have the, the, you know, get all the brain working together to really be able to understand what happened. And then once it understands it, then it's like, oh, next time I'm going to do this. Okay. Next time. Oh, we didn't need to freak out about that. And it really gets it done. And so the next time you go live, it's, you'll see changes that your brain has made and you'll notice yourself being more fluent. You'll notice yourself being less reactive, less in agony and emotional pain. It's really phenomenal. And so there's not a time, you know, there's, there's not a time to say, oh, it's too late to go revisit that. You know, it's not. There's sometimes that's, that's when what I was going to yeah. ask you. Um, if you have an experience that happened yesterday versus one that happened 20 years ago, what do you notice is the difference in the efficacy of EFT? Neither, neither, because the brain doesn't get time. It doesn't understand time. It doesn't understand that that was 20, that was two decades ago. It doesn't, it doesn't know that. It's running everything in real time. And so a lot of times with the older memories, sometimes it takes a little bit more strategizing to get there because it's kind of like old memories that don't get resolved are kind of like what happens with oysters when they make pearls, right? Um, there's a memory. It didn't get resolved. It's in there. Like the, the oyster is like, I can't get that out. It's irritating me. But so it doesn't irritate me. Let me wrap some silk around it. Let me wrap some pearl stuff around it. And pretty soon it's wrapped enough around it that it doesn't really cause that much disturbance or pain. It's not really rubbing them the wrong way exactly. But the little bitty problem in there now has this whole thing around it. And so with past memories, a lot of times that's what we're working with is that we have to get through the layers of silk or protection your brain put around there. And But brains are really, that's a fast process. And once you know how to do that for yourself, you really can get in there to the center of the problem and resolve that one little problem with a little EFT or, you know, one any of the other interventions and done. And then your brain is like, what's this doing here? And it takes the whole pearl out and it takes the whole little problem out and it pushes it to the front of the brain where the brain decides what it wants to keep and what's, what it wants to get rid of. And then whatever it keeps, it uses that to reconfigure everything. Whatever it, get, it gets rid of is really helpful to your subconscious mind because now there's new space for new creations. There's new space for, we don't have this. Hey, why don't you, you know, and then it's getting creative about what it, what it actually needs now that there's space. And sometimes it'll find it in other parts of the brain and you'll see, oh, that thing we learned three years ago, that would fit really nicely in here, you know, and it'll do that. Or maybe it's a higher level of experience or learning that 
you've never experienced before. So all of a sudden you have this idea, let me reach out to that expert, you know, um, maybe it's in dating. And then, cause I, I need that extra little piece of information there. And then you get it and you, your brain puts it in there and, and it's building this beautiful, this programming for you that helps you reach your goals and live the life that you actually want. So these symptoms that we're experiencing are actually opportunities for growth that the brain is actually trying to accomplish for us, but it's stuck in the process. What about if you have, um, if you don't remember everything about what happened, you have an old trauma, it involves, you know, so-and-so, can you think about as much of it as you can remember, can you think about a person that was involved and tap and help yourself? Or do you have to actually recall what happened? Is there a way to access stuff that yes. is hidden there's, for some reason? Totally. You don't need to know what you're working on to heal it because your brain already knows your body already knows your thinking center, your prefrontal cortex may not know, um, but it's in your system. Um, it's recorded somewhere. And when you can even just taking vague pieces of something and using tapping on that, you'll get a lot of healing. And that will actually, it's kind of like when you, when you hold something in your awareness, like something vague, and you start tapping on it, you're basically helping your brain kind of pull on all of the neural pathways attached to it, right? That's not how it really happens. I'm telling you a story, but um, you're pulling on all the neural pathways and you'll get more and more information into your thinking center where understanding is made and words are given and every, like, context is gathered. And so that's when you, you will actually understand what you need to understand about this not understandable, not rememberable trauma, and your brain will do the healing work. Just so what I'm saying is, is that the thinking center doesn't need to know what it's doing, what it's working on to be able to heal it. We just have to get, get all, get the experience in there. And there are strategies for that. And there are strategies for that, including what you just talked about, which is, you know, having a vague sense of what happened. There's other strategies as well to do that. A lot of times just working where you're at in, in an area or where like just, gosh, I want to say this. Sometimes these things show up in the least, ex- the least expected places. Like sometimes the patterns in our life that aren't changing, like let's say you have a pattern of always people pleasing with your boss right? If we just look at that one stressor, like you're like, I'm sick of it. I keep saying this stuff. I, and I just, I don't even like what's happening. I don't agree with the way that they want to work this problem out, but I just keep going with it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. And you keep watching yourself do this. Well, as we work on that, a lot of times we we can get, because we're working on getting to the root of that. A lot of times your brain will take us right to the the old memory and we can work on it from there. Like there's all these things that are happening in our real time are, there is all of our issues are right there. All of the issues we've resolved are right here in this moment. And all of the issues that want to be resolved are right here in every now moment. What about uh, future events? You have to, uh, you know, perform on stage, you have to have an important meeting, et cetera. You don't know what's going to happen. Can you prepare yep. yourself with EFT and tapping to yes, handle it better? Absolutely. That's, I, I recommend that. Uh, I, I think that's a really great way because you, as you're imagining it, because your brain doesn't know the difference between it actually happening and you imagining it in vivid detail, right? And so some of us have great imagination. Some of us don't. So as much detail as you can gather up, uh, as you imagine what could happen, you're going to run into the things that you're, that you're, you're afraid of that your survival system will react to. And if you're using the intervention at the same time, you can get all of that material through your brain's healing process 
pathway pathways, and it will begin working on a way to not fall into the hole, <laughs> not get activated in the first place long before you ever get to the event. And brains do this. Brains can do this. They're actually trying to do this for us all the time, but sometimes they just can't complete the process. And so with, when we help it with an intervention, the, we know the process is going to get completed and we're going to have a much smoother path to that, right? When we're doing it in our imagination, the only limitation is because your brain can think about a, a thousand different scenarios, but the truth is that there's an infinite number of scenarios and when you go through it, you will have resolved many issues. You might just sail through it, but you might encounter something in real time that you didn't anticipate, you didn't prep for. And so then you can use an intervention there and it should be a lot easier to work through that than it would if you hadn't used tapping while you were thinking about the event coming up. Do you recommend if someone goes to a stressful event that even if they think they feel okay, they should still tap their way out of it, you know, to like a recap after the the event or let's say after a stressful event happens, do you recommend that? And, you know, maybe before sleep every night, you should do a tapping session to just like kind of settle everything and let yourself go to sleep. Yes, I do. Because just because you decide something, which deciding things is a prefrontal cortex activity, your thinking center does not mean that your survival system is agreeing with you. Your subconscious mind is in agreement and, or your body is in agreement. You know, you might think it's a great idea, but the rest of you is not in agreement. So you're making a decision for everybody that they don't even like, and you're, that's going to create problems. Just like this boss I just talked about, right? They're doing, they're, they're making decisions and they're sending out information to everybody. This is what you're going to do. And everyone in the back is grumbling. Ah. And then just people say, I'm not doing it like that. I'm going to do it like this, right? There's, it's not cohesion. You don't want that <laughs> in your life from the inside out. You want to make sure everybody has a chance to speak their piece, work out their issues and come into alignment with what you decided, right? You decide, I want to heal. I want this. I want to move on from this. Help your body come to that decision. Help your survival system come to that decision. Help your subconscious mind also come to that decision. And when everybody's working together, that project gets accomplished very, very quickly. How do you recommend that people learn about uh, EFT? Where can they go? And then, you know, for your programs in particular, how can people find out more about you? Yeah, I recommend joining my my email list right off the back. Then you're going to get these interventions. I'm going to show you the, my favorite interventions, the ones I actually use to equip my clients to do this work. And you can try them out yourself. I give people brief intervention, like brief introductions to things. Because when you find the right intervention, it will work immediately. And so most people, I know emotional freedom techniques is going to be a great fit for most people. The other one I teach, collarbone breathing, is a massively phenomenal fit. And the energy medicine routine I give is, is usually very, very beneficial. So it's like, this is just a really great starting lineup. And these ones, I have resolved entire disorders with each one of these without any, well, the first two, without any other interventions. So I have full confidence in these interventions and I give them to people to try, try them, try them, try them. Once you have these interventions and you're trying them, you see that your brain starts doing new things, that you start outgrowing old problems. You see that you can stop a, a panic attack or racing thoughts, or you're, you're just 
moving better in your life. And then when you want to learn strategies that are, that can help you complete projects. That's really what I do in my eight week intensive. And um, I, where I, I walk people through the exact strategies their brain needs to be able to do its healing work. And, and I do that from basic skills to more and more advanced skills. I have, it's an eight week process or an eight part process. And by the time people are done, we have done 112 hours of specific and targeted brain work using an intervention. And I, I have them do two hours of work per day with this. I recommend that in my coaching program, my eight week intensive, I strongly encourage that. And people are usually right. They are ready to do that. And I've also made that same curriculum that I use in my eight week intensive, I've made that available as an online self-study process. And so I also encourage people to in that to also do two hours of this work per day, because we're basically, when you've got a disorder, we're, we want to clean out your whole house, right? Your brain has all these things that it hasn't been able to do yet and get through its healing process. And we want to walk it through that. And then we want to teach it how to do that process by itself without us needing to walk it through. And so there's quite a bit of work for that, but when you take the self-study process, you get to really move at your own pace. You get the freedom to, okay, I want to spend a month on this strategy, or I want to spend a week on this strategy, or, you know, I'm going to take it slow. I'm just going to do 30 minutes a day. So you really get that freedom and um, to navigate it yourself. And each exercise is designed to help you heal. It's the work. I am not my program, none of my programs are about, let me teach you your, your prefrontal cortex things. Let's philosophize and theorize. That's not, we're actually going to get in here and use interventions. We're going to do brain pushups. We're going to actually get your, like, if there's a little person in there in your brain that actually knits new ways of being for you and new processes for not having symptoms, we are going to get them busy working. And that's really what my and how to use the interventions skillfully and safely to actually accomplish the healing work you want that you already know that you want in your life so that's really that's really what i offer okay very good rachel thank you for coming on the podcast and explaining all this it's uh yeah. interesting and it's uh it sounds like a really promising technique what was your website at my website is rachelmcleod.com and i want to spell that for you because my spelling is a little different that's R-A-C-H-E-L-L-E-M-C-C-L-O-U-D.com. And I've made everything very much like start here and, and big block letters so that you can learn how to connect, learn how to get access to the tools and, and really learn how to, to work with me if you so choose. If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. You've been listening to the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. If you like what you hear, be sure to review and subscribe to the Finding Genius Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And want to be smarter than everybody else? Become a premium member at FindingGeniusPodcast.com. This podcast is for information only. No advice of any kind is being given. Any action you take or don't take as a result of listening is your sole responsibility. Consult professionals when advice is needed.